Welcome to the Pandora Podcast, where fellowship-trained pain specialists Dr. Melissa Cady and Dr. Kevin Cucaro reveal the secrets of pain care, including harmful practices, healthy tips, and the hope found through the science of pain. Please note, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute a physician-patient relationship. Please discuss your medical issues with your personal health professional. For more information and free resources, visit Pandora.com. Now on to the show. So today I'm excited to start off this Pandora podcast. I am Dr. Katie, joined by Dr. Kevin, and I'm uh, on a different, uh, we're in a different state and not in Texas normally. Uh, I normally am in Texas, but I'm in, in California and San Diego and have some beautiful trees behind me. It's my, not my normal, um, you know, perspective. It's usually a, a drab wall <laughs> with a couple, you know, posters and whatnot in the office. Um, but I'm really excited because I'm at a um, pain conference and there is this discussion of a certain topic that I think Dr. Kevin and I will be able to chime in on a little bit and give some perspective because it relates a lot to um, not just like pain, but any stress or difficulty or challenge that we have in life. And it's called pain catastrophization and it really has a negative connotation just by the long name of it and sounds so technical sciencey um but you know maybe to start off uh, dr kevin if you want to just give a perspective on what catastrophization is okay so catastrophizing is in 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 general and uh you're putting me on the spot because i can't remember the third well, r not the exact but the general feel of what that means there, okay it, it's basically sort of the downward spiral where something bad happens and instead of kind of interrupting that pathway it starts going down and down and down and getting worse um and uh you know it's like i stub my toe and you start thinking instead of thinking oh that hurts oh, it'll be better it's like i stub my toe it hurts so bad i must have broke my toe oh my god i probably broke my toe it's probably not going to heal correctly oh i need to go into the hospital they're gonna have to take an x-ray he's gonna find it shattered and i'm gonna have to get go you know, the orthopedic surgeon's gonna have to operation on me and i'm gonna catch flash flesh eating bacteria and die you know i mean that's yeah. it's, it's this downward spiral thing and if you look from the scientific standpoint there's um i'm sorry I'm forgetting this but there's like the three r's is rumination I forgot the other two, uh, you know, but, but you, you, there's this overwhelming sense of that you can't control, that there's an uncertainty, and then you can't stop thinking about it. Right. Um, and so we call pain catastrophizing, but that's catastrophizing specific to pain. But in general, someone who's going to catastrophize isn't catastrophizing just about pain. But that brings up that important point where you're saying is if you're catastrophizing and you have pain, it, if we understand that a little bit, it's not just going to be about pain anymore. It's about everything else. Because you can catastrophize. Right relationships you can talk about other health concerns you can talk about you know catastrophize about your job your finances or whatever but right downward spiral yeah and it's it's this uh it's like this negative belief system where they believe that something negative is coming to come from it and what i wanted to maybe tap in today is that you know it's something that you talk about too is that when you have a negative belief system a negative thought about what this could mean and how people make a mountain out of a molehill or have a snowball effect and create create this image or thought process that it could be a lot worse is that our behavior is a consequence of those beliefs and and I think that um, you know for me the way I see it and from what I've read is that we have thoughts and we have beliefs and they kind of work together in the sense that your behavior 
if you really feel like you have a locus of control and that you can do something about it, then it, it kind of puts the stop on that snowball effect where make, making that mountain out of a molehill, you, and especially if you know some things you can do to help calm the system down, like calm the nervous system down with some deep breathing. The one thing we can control of that nervous system to activate so many other things that can help um, kind of squelch that big fire of suffering that some people have with life, whether it's, you know, what they consider physical pain, but pain is pain. But this, this suffering um, can be managed by whatever they believe can help them. Uh, but if they don't believe something can help them that they can do themselves, then it can be real easy to get hopeless and feel helpless. And the system that is already fragmented and if you don't re meet the right person, you may not be given that encouragement that there are things that you can do to help yourself, especially in like rural America, where a lot of times the resources are very limited. Did you want to speak to that? Oh, which part? <laughs> oh, anything, <laughs> anything that sparks your fancy. <laughs> uh, in, 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 well, you hit some of my, my favorite words and like, like beliefs, behaviors, perceived control, and the, the idea that of how important our beliefs are. Right. And so what's the difference between thought and belief is sort of a, is a sort of a spectrum. They're both cognitive constructs, but a thought we can identify as being sort of simple. When we start moving into the belief realm, beliefs are the lens through which we see the world and they impact not only what we see, how we respond, how we behave in things. And then there's different levels of belief you have. There's the experience. I, you know, I believe in this the experience I have. There's a possessive belief, and then there's the actual personal or the, the, the core identity belief, the, the schema through which you see the world. And if that belief structure is influenced by the idea that I'm helpless, I do not have control, the world is a very scary place when you feel like you don't have control. And so that's relating to where you brought up perceived control and self-efficacy. And some people argue, well, where do those sit together? But I, it's easier to just kind of separate to, to use those two terms, but, you know, perceived controls, what do you, that you can actually influence the outcome of, and then confidence is where that self-efficacy performance that is, where do you feel competent to take action in? And if you, again, if you're feeling powerless or you feel that nothing that you do matters, then the world is a pretty dark and scary place. How does that impact pain though? Well, the more that we make pain into this physical structural thing, that either is or isn't, or that pain equals damage, that's a pretty low control scenario now. Because that anytime you experience pain, the first concern is what's being damaged. If they can't find a quote unquote structural size, then if the catastrophizing begins, well, it must be so bad that it must be, you know, some rare super autoimmune condition or something like that. And so that's this core belief about what you what you believe pain is, that it equals damage or what it means can easily lead to this catastrophic cascade where you're just starting what gets worse. And if, and if people can't find quote unquote, something wrong with you that explains where the pain is coming from, now it becomes more scary, more uncertain, more uncontrollable. And then we see more and more of that catastrophizing spiral associated with it. And the, and the answer then is not to do all these, you know, a million dollar workup and do all more and more workups or doing more and more procedures. It's actually to go back to what is pain? What do you believe to be about true about pain? Where does that align with actual the science and to help people make sense of the world again in a way that's both empowering and, uh, and can provide a, a greater sense of control over what things mean and what, th and what you do next. And right. And so 
you know, pain catastrophization, or I'll just say unhelpful beliefs or thoughts and patterns that are persistent, or what some people say, perseverate, they just keep continuing, um, is uh, a reflex when the higher that score is, there are scales out there, but the higher the score is, we know has a, um, sorry, I'm covering up because there's a lot of people here. Um, there's, there's, there's this tendency that the people that have a higher score on that catastrophizing or negative beliefs, that they are more at risk for use of opioids or other interventions. And even the interventions won't work as well, even though some of those interventions aren't helpful to begin with. Um, they're also at risk for not going back to work and not believing that they can modify or do things. And, and their behavior pattern is a reflection of those beliefs, which that's what people don't think about. It's people sometimes don't think that that belief itself is really going to have a long-term effect on the pain. But the problem is you start changing what you're doing and, which, you know, we know that pain is all about protection and that's something we'll dive in deeper later, is if you don't feel safe, you tend to constrict your life, you tend to avoid things, you tend to not do the things that your body needs for good self-care. And so, uh, you know, I, I know that you see that too in, in everything that you uh, see around you and the suffering that goes on and how it impacts other areas of their life. So, you know, the, the, the less safe you feel, the more under threat you feel. And so you kind of brought up both the behavioral and thought patterns with it. You're less likely to do, uh, you know, be consistent in, in, in behaviors that have long-term associations rather than the short-term gain. You're more, you know, likely to eat the Big Mac right now because it's here rather than to eat the fruits because it's going to have a long-term gain associated with it. So those are just the behavioral aspects, but we forget about the physiology you know, the physical reality that comes with a sense of, of, of when you're not safe, when there's a lot of uncertainty, that physiology is very, very different. And so this idea that, that um, some people will say, well, the brain and the body are separate. Same. There's no, they're, they're highly interrelated. And if we have people who are under such a sense of threat, not only are they making bad decisions from the brain standpoint, but now you have higher levels of cortisol, you have higher levels of um, epinephrine, norepinephrine present, you're putting increased stress on your cardiovascular system, we're changing lipid metabolism in the body. And so when you have people with, who are high catastrophizers, not only is it pain, bad decisions, substance use issues, problems with opioids and other kind of, you know, uh, pharmacologically centrally active agents, but we're also looking at downstream health related effects, increased auto, uh, autoimmune problems, uh, cardiac problems, GI problems, um, which is also, you know, the, but to pull this back to the pain service, when we start working on those core schemas, those core belief systems and, and start feeling, helping people feel comfortable, com well, not comfortable in me, sorry, but confident again, and in control of their pain reality, the downstreams of effects often will impact other concerns that you may not have thought were related. Your irritable bowel disease, your inflammatory bowel disease, your rheumatoid arthritis, uh, your, your, your history of arrhythmias, all these other things are so tightly around together. And so when you're catastrophizing, it isn't just a pain thing. You know, it isn't, there's, there's a physical, uh, or if I should say a physiologic reality associated with that, that has some really important ramifications on your body. Right. And, you know, people that that's the, the dilemma of practitioners or clinicians that understand these long-term effects that the the invisible things that are occurring 
can create true tangible physio there, there could be invisible physiologic changes that don't emerge themselves until they have some symptoms or something that's more tangible or that is experienced by the person I mean, even just you know that nutrition can have a negative impact but you may not notice it right away and it's it's kind of one of those delayed effects and and uh, I think that's a critical thing I guess on the final segment here I was wondering uh, what you would say and I'll chime in too what would you say are some of the things that people can can do right away to address maybe those pain thoughts or negative unhelpful things what are the things that they can do for themselves or you know get help or what are, what are the things that you would steer people towards well and you kind of touched on this in the beginning already uh just to kind of call it out a little bit more aggressively here was these negative thoughts tend to be automatic behaviors that are associated with they they start like this and then they kind of spiral down so the 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 thing to do in the moment is to be able to not memorize a hundred different things about pain is simply to put a little pause button in there how can you stop that train of automaticity from going down and the easiest way to do that is if you're feeling and you know distressed and overwhelmed the easiest most simplest way to do it is take a deep breath so instead of trying to think of a hundred different options it's just like i'm going to stop you and take a big breath and then take two to three deep breaths kind of look at your situation again are you still sort of revved up then take two or three big more you're that is not a huge delay i mean that literally takes 10 15 seconds at most but it pulls enough of a little space in there a little breathing room that you can start then rising above and assessing well is this actually true you can start doing some belief revision kind of maneuvers but it's basically okay what do i know what do i not know what am i having control over what, where am I feeling safe? So I would talk about like the circles of control. Okay, all this stuff happened and oh my God. Okay, I'm gonna pause. I'm gonna take a big deep breath. All right, my toe hurts. Does it look broken? Well, it doesn't. It's black and blue, but you know, it's still, can I move it? You know, and then you can start doing these step-by-step -step sort of systematic rule out, rule in thing rather than immediately flooding yourself down. Oh, my toe is broken, it's shattered. I'm gonna to have to get, you know, flesh-eating bacteria is gonna stop me. So the, the pause button is, is the number one thing that we need to learn. Uh, you know, it, it all comes down to basically, when in doubt, or we say, when in distress, breathe. And if you remember that, that's, that's the first step to getting better. I, I have to agree and um, I'll equate it to, you know, not that I've been through childbirth, but there is a very clear, um, it, it seems a very reliable way to help people if they can keep their thoughts from going to that negative area. Unfortunately, there are people that have a, you know, history of other like traumas or adverse events that their systems are already primed and ready to like be on high alert. And so when you have a painful or you have a stimulus that's annoying and irritating, like giving birth to a baby, like if you can breathe through that and help calm your system down, I think that's a critical point for people to start. And um, of course, there are a lot of things that we'll talk about in future episodes that, you know, including sleep, you know, sleep's a critical component to our overall health and wellness and minimizing pain too. So um, unless you have any other thoughts, I, I just wanted us to bring up this idea of, uh, of unhelpful thoughts and, and all these other behaviors that can stem from that. No, I think that's great. And uh, it's, a, it's a good quick episode here so that you can get back to enjoying the beautiful evening in San Diego <laughs> with your you. eucalyptus tree. <laughs> it makes me think about when I was living there and, those, and how nice it was to sit out on the patio. 
Yes, I just wish there were some koalas or something, but you know, I'd have to go somewhere else for that. So, so here's a little case in point: you, you, the eucalyptus trees were introduced to California, and they're actually very dangerous. Um, they explode, so oh, they okay, when they yeah. when they light on fire, they have a tendency to explode. I've heard that. Yeah, you you, you don't necessarily want them. Grow they look nice, and they kind of smell really good, uh, but yeah. they're not really good flora. Yeah, like that little fire is a nice controlled fire. That's a controlled but, fire. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely, I don't want it on the trees. <laughs> <laughs> we want to minimize the pain. So we're going to keep right. the fire small. Pull the fire down, pull out the oxygen, <laughs> decrease the fuel source, all that extra stuff. So. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Dr. Katie, Melissa. Yes, Dr. Um, Kevin. Have a wonderful time. Enjoy the conference. And um, for everybody else out there, stay well, and we'll talk to you soon. See you later. Thank you for joining us today on the Pain Door Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know through a five-star rating on iTunes or your current podcast listening service. And be sure to check out the information and resources available at Pandora.com.